So we were glad to be able to be with them this morning in church. And uh, I knew that that was going to cramp my schedule a bit. And I just, I just felt like it would be good if I asked Brother Chad Johnson to prepare something for this morning. I want to tell you what, what I have watched and I think many of you have watched as well is many, many Sunday nights when Brother Chad has stepped to this pulpit just to read a scripture for Sunday night. He has just been on target and it's been right in line with what the preacher was going to say that night. And uh, I mean, he's just tapped in, just found the mind of God and and um, it's it's been an amazing thing to watch. The other thing that I have observed about him through the years and um, that is his his passion I started to say love but it, it really goes beyond just a love it is a passion for reaching the lost and, and he really really it, it's not it's not a show it's not um, it's not something he's doing to try to impress others but I'm telling you this man really cares about reaching the lost and when it comes to Sunday school and kids and bus ministry, he's just he's second to none. In fact, some of you remember a few years back, I had to pull his coattails. He was bringing in more Sunday school kids than we had teachers to teach. And I'd say, back off a little bit. We're getting overwhelmed here. We, and uh, that's a good problem to have. But he, he's got such a desire to do something for God and to reach the lost and uh, I am I am thrilled for what God's doing in his life and um, I don't know how many years have you been in church brother Chad 15 years this year's 15 years and uh, so I I guess I'd been here about 9 years when him through baptizing. Sister Christy came in when? In 98. So I'd only been here two years when she came in. And um, so these are some of the first uh, first fruits, I guess, of my labors here. And although they had seeds planted before I ever got here, Brother, Brother Hilton had already been working with the Williams family. And, and um, but we appreciate what God is doing with them and through them. And uh, I want him to come this morning. I, I know that we're going to hear something. I, you know, I've, I've said all these things about him. Let me just add one more thing. One thing, if you haven't picked up on when he gets up to read a scripture, is this man is not afraid of study. And uh, he, he doesn't do anything half-hearted. I don't think there's been a time that he stepped up here with just one passage. And he's 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 going to dig through the scripture and he's gonna back up everything he says with two or three or twenty witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I know we're gonna be fed today. I know we're gonna hear 
the word of the Lord today. And I'm, I'm excited about that. And I want him to come and I want him to give us what he has on his heart. God bless you, Brother Chad. We love you. I want you to just come take your liberty. here today but when I finished that message I took this message down to the altar and I said God I know you gave this to me I don't know the time the date nor the hour in which this message will be preached or if I'll even preach it I've given this message away for others to preach I said I don't know Lord but you know And I said, if I ever preach this gospel, it will be my first message that I'll ever preach. And if there's ever a time and an hour where we need to hear this, it's today. As I talk to people in the truck, ladies and gentlemen, everybody knows you can tell that they're nervous about the situations that are happening in this hour. People are going out and buying guns off the shelves. They're buying all kinds of food. They know that something's wrong. Something is awry. That this COVID-19 and the things that we've seen going on, they understand that something's wrong, but they just can't put their finger on it. And I'm here today to tell you that I have come with a vaccine today for this nation. Not only for this nation, but for this city. And if I can bring it right here today to this very assembly... If you would here today, turn with me to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6 here today in the Word of the God, in the Word of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor, here today for allowing me to bring my Sunday school sword to the top side. Hopefully I don't cut my arm off with it. When you have it, say amen. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6. And before the setting here is at the the throne in the book of Revelation. 
It's at the throne. And it says, and before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto a crystal. And in the midst of the throne, around about the throne, there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like unto a lion, and the second beast like unto a calf, and the third beast had a face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks unto him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You were not put here for your pleasure. You were put here for his pleasure. You were put here for one central purpose and one thing that should be the anthem of all of our lives. I'm here alone to give God praise and to lift him up. I'm not here as an independent entity or to live for myself, but to glorify him and to lift him up that lives forever and ever. Verse 10 says the four and twenty elders fell down before the throne that sat on the throne before him and worship him that liveth forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. It's going to come a time, folks, and it's not far away, when all the cares of this life and the things that we deem important are not going to nearly mean as much as they think they do. You know, Pastor, it's amazing to me how the cares, I'm getting caught up too, the cares of this life weigh good saints of God and people down. But I'm here to tell you there's going to come a time when none of these things are going to matter. And that's what I'm going to preach today about with the help of the Holy Ghost here today from this thought. A time when nothing else matters. A time... When nothing else matters. All right, if you lay your Bibles down, raise your hands and your hearts to heaven here today and ask God to have his way in this service right now. Oh, God, here today, Lord, use me here to speak your word, God. For you have given me this message to a nation and to a people, Lord God. God, help me to feed the flock of God here today in which you have given me the ability to do here. God, that every mind and soul and heart would have a ready mind to receive your word, God. God, that nobody would get tripped up on the scriptures would know, God, what I'm about to say here today. In your glorious, precious name, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There's going to come a time in all of our lives when all of our temporal successes is going to lose all of its meaning. All the things that we deem vital and important are not going to nearly mean as much as we think it does. All the things that fight for our attention are going to seem to just fade away. All the things that propel our priorities in this life are going to fade away and not mean so much in the fulfillment of God's word in eternity. 
The 420 elders cast their crowns before the throne. They, they, they relinquished their tokens of honor. In essence, they surrendered all of their personal rewards and accomplishments, and they are yielding all to him. They are telling us that the day will come when we will relinquish all that we have, and the day is going to come when nothing else is going to matter. I'm here to tell you that all that matters here today, whether you choose to believe it or not, your job doesn't matter. Your things of this world doesn't matter. The money of this world doesn't doesn't matter. You think it does in the world puts a lot of spotlights on it, but I'm here to tell you that one thing only matters in this hour is that your soul is saved and you're ready to meet our maker in that day. James asked the provoking question in, in life, what is life? Whereas, James 4 and 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, you know what's going to happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanishes away. You hear me, time passes by. I just remember being in high school myself, and now I don't have much hair. Kids I used to teach in Sunday school now are grown up. Just time passes on really fast, and none of us have a corner of this, in a corner in the market in this. And everybody I talk to says, Brother Chad, we have time. Just calm down here. We all have time. And I'm here to tell you, time is running out. Most people can feel it here today. Matthew 16 and 26 says this, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? John D. Rockefeller, with millions, yea, billions of dollars, laying in a hospital bed, said with tears streaming down his face, seeing a gardener out mowing the yard and trimming the hedges, said, I would give every dime I had for the health of that man. And life is like a coin, brother. You get one time to spend it. How you spend that coin depends whether you're not you're in eternal glory or in the torments of hell. About the time he made the most of life, life was gone. And there came a time and a place in his life where nothing else mattered. His money didn't matter. His possessions didn't matter. Nothing else mattered. We got to get to a place in the Holy Ghost where nothing else matters. Life is tragic for those who have plenty to live on and nothing to live for. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth richly all things for us to enjoy. That they do good, that be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. This message... <clears throat> this message stems from a, my grandpa that I once had. My grandfather had everything that this life had to offer. Had money, had cattle, I grew up on a farm, had everything that you could want in life. And what happened was, he went to church. He went to church, but he never went to the same church. He, he went to a different church every week, and as I stayed with him, I, I asked my dad, why, why, why is Grandpa always going to different, why are we going to all these different churches? And, the, and, he, and he said, you know, son, Grandpa has a lot of money, and he liked to keep it. 
He feels that everybody's after his dollar. And he failed to realize that he was going to be lost. He went to church to gain the praises of men. I remember him touching him on the back, shaking his hand, saying, Oh, we're so glad to have you here. You're such a good guy. But all the meanwhile, his God, his money was his God. That's all he focused on was how. If there was a Heisman Trophy for him, he could do it because he could stiff arm people to get him out of his way, even his own family. We're going to talk about a few folks here today. We're going to talk about in the scripture, God has a lot to say about wise people and foolish people. Luke 12 and 13 says this. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he may divide his inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possess. Did you hear that, folks? I was told my whole life, He who dies with the most toys wins in life. But the scripture says something entirely different here. And he spake a parable unto them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater And there will I bestow all of my fruits and goods. And I will say unto my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who's all of these things going to be which thou hast provided? We will all come to a place where everything earthly is going to pass away. And all that we have to look to and hope for is eternal. Some people build on the future of things that they can hold on tightly to, never failing to realize that when it's all said and done, you're not going to take anything out of here. Life is fragile We all stand on a banana peel in the graveyard. I've never seen a tow hitch on a hearse or a U-Haul being towed to the gravesite. We're all going to come to a time and a place in this life when nothing else is going to matter. Luke 18 and 18 says this. My voice is giving out. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, What callest thou me good? None is good, save the one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth up. Notice here, he says all of these things. I mean, this guy's a perfect individual. I have kept all of these things from my youth up. But Jesus said. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he had heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? 
For it is, it is easier for a camel to go through the, a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They, and they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Amen. Now, I want you to notice here, Jesus didn't say, sell everything you got and bring it to me. He, go, he said, go give it to the poor. Jesus wasn't interested in his money. Jesus was interested in his commitment to him and following after him. Jesus was interested in his soul. Jesus, notice here, according to verse 21 here, it says, and he said, I have kept all of this from my youth. I want you to understand, this guy lived a perfect life. But Jesus said, thou lackest one thing. If thou, I'll read it from verse 21. It says, Jesus said unto them, if thou will be perfect, go and sell what thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt. Jesus, here in the other verse, you know, he says to be, you lack one thing. But here he's saying, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want things complete in your life, go do these things. Matthew 6 and 24 says this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold on to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money. Dr. Albert Barnes says this about mammon. Mammon is a Syriac word, a name given to an idol, worshipped as a god of riches. The Jews formerly worshipped this idol, but they used the word to denote wealth. The meaning is that you can't serve the only true one God and at the same time as uh, serving money and riches of this world. 1 Corinthians 7 and 29 says this, But I say, brethren, the time is short. That both of them that have wives be as though they had none. You can't let anybody or anything hinder your commitment to the Lord. Verse 30 says, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not. And 31 says, and they use, that they use this world not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. Did you hear that? This world is passing away. God has only given us so many heartbeats. He's only given us so many spans of breath. He's only given us a certain amount of time and daylight on this earth. And we've got to get past all the cares of this life and come to a place where the only thing that matters is being saved. Here today, Matthew 25 and 1 says this. We're talking about wise and foolish things here today. This is the parable of the ten virgins here. And I want you to note here that these are ten virgins. God, he's talking about the church here. He wouldn't explain the church as a virgin here. He would explain it as a virgin. He wouldn't explain the world as not. So, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, all, all slumbered and slept. It's my opinion, and it's just an opinion here, 
that it's before the coming of the Lord that a lot of these good saints that slept and were tired were wearied. They were wore out with fighting the adversary. They were just, they were just wanting some time off. And in the middle of that time, the Lord came back. We could get distracted, we can get busy, and we can get focused on the world and let it suck away all of our energy, all the meanwhile saying that Jesus is our God. And when the midnight there cried, verse 6, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and you go out to meet him. Then all of those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. The original Greek here says they're going out. They haven't gone out. They still come to church. They still throw up a $2 prayer. But their lamps were going out. Can you read verse 9, brother? My voice is giving out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to sell to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. What a reprimand. I know you not. I, that's a sad picture, folks. It's, it, it's, it's a scary verse. First John 2 and 15 says this, Love not the world, neither do the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And here we go again. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abide forever. Stay focused, saints. Stay focused here. Don't let the devil divert your attention to what God is doing. When you come to church, we need to have church. We need to get an aggressive attitude about us in this hour. I know we're all tired. I'm right there with you. But, but there are people here in this city and in this state that need us. Somebody's got to get on the offense here today. And when I come to church, I want to entertain the Holy Ghost and get what I need from him. I'm telling you. That's the problem with the world today. When we get to church, that's why marriages are in trouble and the courts are full. Because I tell you what happens in here and what goes on in here affects what goes on out there. So when we get to church, we need to get full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be sensitive to what God is doing. Let's take a look at a wise man here today. He is the richest and wisest man that ever lived. And let's see what he had to say here, too, in Ecclesiastes 2 and 10. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. <laughs> wow, do you hear that? Anything that he wanted. Blank check, fill it out, wham, bam. I'd be honest, I'd like to know a little bit about what that's about, you know? But what he says in verse 11, 
Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no prophet under the sun. Ha! Huh. There was no prophet. He, he come to the conclusion that, you know what? All of these things don't matter. None of these things. I know we need money to operate, folks. I, I, I understand we all need to make a living in this life, but it shouldn't be our primary focus. Solomon had 700 wives. He had all the money. I, he, I guarantee you he had the greatest things of that time. And at the end of his life, he wrote something down. He wrote a conclusion down. And I want to read it here in verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Solomon in his latter years realized that there was going to come a time and a place where he was going to leave everything behind and the only thing that mattered was God. Ecclesiastes 5 and 15 says this. And he came forth of his mother's womb. Naked shall he return to go as he came and shall take nothing of his labor, which he, shall care, he may carry away in his hand. Job 1 to 21. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You didn't come into this world with anything, folks, and you're not going to leave out of here with anything. It's just, it's just pretty. I'm, I'm just, Pastor has always told me when he gets one thought, and he's just going to jackhammer around it, and that's what I'm doing here today. I'm just, I'm pulling every scripture I can pull out to make a point clear to everybody here. There's going to come a time when nothing else is going to matter. Philippians 3 and 7 says this. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That he may win Christ. It doesn't matter what we've attained in this life. All the tokens of accomplishment will be cast at his feet. Second Timothy 4 and 8 says this, Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not me alone only, but to unto them that love his appearing. You hear me? Coming to church, getting in the Holy Ghost, do you love his appearing? When the glory of God falls down in this house, that tells me that nothing else matters. 1 Peter 5 and 4 says this, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. 1 Corinthians 9 and 24 says this, Know ye not that they that which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate. He's disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. That incorruptible crown must be strived for, it must be fought for, and it must be guarded. Revelation 3 and 11, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. 
hold fast which thou hast, that no man taketh thy crown. Let's take a look here today at a king that lost his crown. 1 Samuel 15 and 1 says this. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord has sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I remember that, that that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. In other words, Saul, kill everything. Let, just kill the, kill the cat, kill the dog, wipe everything out. I, I don't even want to know that they've even existed here. And the reason why the Lord wanted that done is because Amalek snuck up and, and picked on the weak and elderly and, and took those. And God hates that, people that prey on the weak and elderly. And God, God wanted them destroyed. First Samuel 15 and 9 says, But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good. He would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that, that they destroyed utterly not. Saul refused to do what God told him to do. Saul's attitude was, I'm the king here. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And you know, in the beginning, we find Saul hiding out when God called him. He was humbled in the, in the beginning when God called him to be a king. But something happened in his life. A change came. And I submit to you today, I'm going to show you what changed King Saul. Verse 15, 19. Wherefore then doubt thou didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. He got his focus on the things of the world. All the good things that Agag had, all the good things that, you know, and the people pressured him. Said, you know what, we could take the, we could serve the Lord with these things. We can do great things. For the Lord with these things. But I'm going to read the translation out of the Living Bible. I, I kind of like this better. It says, then why did you, didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush for the loot and do exactly what God said not to? The, in the original verse here in 19, it says the word fly. That was an interesting word to me. And I, I just had to go into my Bible and look up that word. I thought it was just an interesting word there. So I did a cross-reference in my Bible, and it was interesting what it had to say and what verse it came up with to, to compare it to that verse. Proverbs 15 and 27 says this, He that is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live forever. In other words, Saul's focus was upon Amalek's wretches, and he lost sight of what God was doing, and it costed him dearly in the end. Let us fast forward in Saul's life 38 years and see what that decision cost him. Saul and Jonathan were at the battle of Mount Gilboa, and here's where we pick up the story in 2 Samuel 1, verse 6 through 10. 
And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and the horsemen followed hard after him. And when he had looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered, I am an Amalekite. Does that name sound familiar? I am an Amalekite. I'm what you wouldn't kill, Saul. And now I've come back to get you. I've come back to get you. Here, I'm here to tell you, folks, it's easier to obey God. You know, Saul refused to kill what God told him to do and kill. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. And it may not even be next year. But if you let those things live in your life, when God tells you to kill them, they're going to come back and get you. And I'm telling you, folks, I did some things in my earlier life that I wish I'd never done because 20 years later, it come back. My chickens come home to roost, so to speak. And, it, and uh, I had to spend a lot of money to unroost my chickens. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just easier to obey God's word. Let's, let's look at some more foolish people here and wise people. Matthew 7 and 24 through 27 says this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Great was the fall. So the wise, the scripture's dealing with here is obedience, is what it's dealing with here. One, these people built their house on the rock. When when the floods came, everything happened, and it beat on that house, it stood. But those who fail to listen to the word of God, well, it's going to rain on them too. And when it came, it, uh, the great was its fall. It didn't last. So let's look now at some men here today called the wise men. These men are also known as magi or three kings. I chose this story today to be my last story because I felt like everybody kind of knows this story and it kind of put an exclamation point to what I have to say here today. I'm going to close here pretty quick. I've skipped through some things here if you guys want to come. Matthew 2 and 1 says this. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerus- to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Amen. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when he had found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now watch this. Watch this. And when they were coming to the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. These were the wise men. These were three kings. They sought out Jesus. They sought out salvation. And they're here telling us today that it doesn't matter the things of this life. Because they opened up their treasures and presented unto him everything. They relinquished their tokens of honor. And they, for what? For salvation. And that tells me here today that nothing else matters except being saved. Don't misunderstand what I have had to say here today. I know I talked about a lot, a lot of things concerning money. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is not concerned about your money. He's looking for something much more precious than your money. He's looking for your heart. He's looking for a relationship with you. He's looking for a love affair with you. And that's what he's looking for today here in this place, if you want to play softly. He's asking that you would cast all of your cares upon him, not your treasures, Because He cares for you. I'm here to tell you today that the wise men traveled from afar. And the longest trip that you'll ever make in your entire life is up out of that pew and down to an altar. You ask me here today as I come to preach the gospel, as the star led the wise men to Jesus, I am here today to lead you to Jesus. I am an ambassador of the gospel, and I want to introduce you to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You ask me here today, how do I meet Jesus? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to help you here today. John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we knowest thou art a teacher that come from God. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not accepting Jesus as your personal Savior, folks. It's about repentance. It's about, we're all going to one place, folks. Jesus said, except a man be born again. We're all destined for one place. But Jesus made an exception to the rule. And Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, that you must be born again. And he doesn't finish there. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, 
cannot tell us where it's come from and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You can't tell where the wind comes from, folks. And you can't tell where it goes. But there's one thing about the wind that you can tell. Is that you can hear the sound of it as it rustles through the trees. And it says that so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You must speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Here we come to Acts chapter 2. The Jews had just sinned and killed their Messiah. And Peter starts up with the eleven. And starts to preach. And brings conviction onto them. And they finally realize that, you know, we made a mistake. And we killed the Lord. And the, and the Jews said, you know, what are we going to do now? How do we fix this problem? We just killed Jesus, our Messiah. And Peter stood up and preached. Acts 2 and 38 says this. Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you, unto your children, and to all that is afar off. Even as the Lord our God shall call. As I close here today, I just want to say to everybody, we've reached a time and a place in this service when nothing else matters except being saved. I ask you here today to come and ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost again. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I ask you to come today and we'll have somebody help you to pray through to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Please, all of you come here today.